everybody. Welcome to the New Market Alliance Church Podcast. For more information on the vision, programs, and news of our church, be sure to check us out at www.newmarketalliance.ca. We'd like to encourage you as well that no podcast, no matter how good, can substitute for the experience of joining together in person at a worship celebration. That's where God really meets people, often through the love and ministry of others. At NAC, we meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. Now let's join this week's teaching. I want to invite my friend Dave Clouk if he would come. And we have been telling stories of Jesus leaving the building, stories of us getting the gospel outside of these uh, four walls. And we keep coming back, not intentionally, but I, I noticed I keep coming back to this verse in Colossians. It says, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And here's the thing. Pray that I may claim it clearly as I should. So we're praying for gifted evangelists. We're praying for pastors and missionaries. But be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. So, um, David, I just found out you had an opportunity practically fall into your lap. Um, tell us a little bit about it. Sure. I didn't even um, kind of think of this in a, a missional way until I was talking with Christine Hunt and telling her about it, and she says, you're going to be a missionary. And uh, you think of the old song, uh, please don't send me to Africa. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm not going to Africa. Uh, I'm going somewhere else. And um, I was invited by a um, organization, a group of psychologists that I've been working with for 10 years, uh, to go to a First Nations community in uh, northern, like way northern Ontario, 800 kilometers north of Dryden, uh, and to provide mental health services. Um, so. I made that decision. I've been up for a week of training only to find out there are no mental health services. I'm actually being asked to come up and develop a mental health service, although the people I'll be working for, the government organization, thinks it's already there. So very much going to create something that doesn't exist. What's interesting about this community, the community of Kiwaywin, is where I'm going is that in the uh, early 80s, about uh, 350 band members uh, left the Sandy Lake Reserve and established their own community to be based on Christian values. So a week and a half ago, I was in the community, met the chief. Chief, first of all, said, I'm not happy. So that's a good start. <laughs> okay. Uh, they had another therapist there um, who didn't, uh, complement the community Christian values. Uh, so the second thing he said is this is a Christian community and essentially do not value what would be considered the traditional indigenous spirituality. Um, so um, generally the government organizations have been training white therapists in the traditional indigenous spirituality, saying you need to go in there, you need to appreciate it, you need to come from that perspective, and I've now had a directive from the chief of the community that um, 
he wants something very different. So there's a lot of uh, issues in the uh, First Nations communities. Many of you might be aware of those. Um, a few things that um, have encouraged me in this journey is, is that my coordinator, who I knew very vaguely prior to this training trip, happens to be an ordained minister as well as a therapist. And so we had conversations. Um, he had been to the community once before, so every time that our kind of visiting entourage moved on, he held back and he went and talked to the chief and he said, here's what David's about. He went, to, we kept going and he'd hang back. And so I've had a uh, introduction um, and it, it's been helpful to have that. Um, I talked to the nurse in charge and she says, so where are you from? I said, oh, Toronto. And she gave me that look that you get when somebody knows, yeah, yeah, I know where Toronto is. Where are you from? So I said, north of Toronto. She said, yeah, yeah, where are you from? I said, oh, Newmarket. She says, oh, my mother lives on Davis Drive in Newmarket. <laughs> so there, there's these different connections, and uh, I'll be taking my first trip to be in the community uh, the week of October 21st to 25th, um, and just beginning there, and certainly um, the fellow who recruited me said, uh, you're going to spend two to three trips just trying to build relationships. Um, so it, it's, it just came, and yet my pastoral history, my therapy history, and my love of outdoors have come together to uh, prepare me for this. And I just don't want you to miss this because when I worked in government treatment center, and it's those of you who've worked for the government, there is a piece of, whether it's said explicitly or implicitly, it's like, don't talk about spiritual things, okay? That's, that's not appropriate. And here Dave is kind of being explicitly asked to talk about spiritual things. I just think that's an amazing opportunity. Do you, how do you see that? happening in an organic kind of way? Well, I think the whole part is about relationship and the, a lot of times in communities like this, the um, people have multiple roles. So the mental health worker who I work with is actually the pastor of the local church. Mm -hmm. So just all around up there, the, for a chief to be Christian values, um, it's going to be uh, just part of what I already do really in my practice here because although I don't directly uh, bring out my faith, my, my books on the shelf, Finding God, which is like inch and a half letters, is probably the most prominent book on my bookshelf. People see that I've been to uh, Christian training universities, so it'll just be that same yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, uh, and talk about our least reached slash maybe most marginalized community in Canada, and uh, they really need salt and light. So um, are there specific ways that we can pray for you in the weeks and months to come? Sure, I, I, I think prayer is just in the sense of building those relationships mm -hmm. to find the um, people of wisdom in the community. Uh, certainly safety. Um, I completed in one week of training eight different flights 
So I'm going up and down a lot, which are, of course, the risk points in any flight. Mm. Um, and just in being able to adjust for health-wise, because although there is a health center there, um, resources are expensive. Um, <laughs> to give you an idea, a, a can or a, a bottle of ocean spray juice, which is about 289 here, is $15.69 in the store wow. up there. So I've got a pretty good um, spending account for this. But uh, there's going to be some challenges for sure as I try to adjust to the community yes, up there. Yes. Um, can we send Dave here? Would there be elders and spouses and people who know the Clouks who would consider just coming and laying hands on him? Dave, can we go to the... And so as those people come, I, I'd also just want to add one more story. And I wonder if, if Andrew, would you mind coming, Andrew Hamilton? Um, I th I'm throwing you under the bus here, but this is exciting because a few times this uh, series, we have said maybe the measure of a successful church is not how many who come in, <laughs> but how many we send. And so we're sending Dave this morning, but a few months ago, uh, Andrew said to me, I think in confidence, is like, against my better human judgment, I feel like God is stirring something in me where I'm going to be in full-time ministry again. And I, I'm not sure you were super excited about that. <laughs> but, and yet God was stirring this. Well, wouldn't you know, um, just a little while later, uh, Christian Baptist on Main Street has asked Andrew to be their interim pastor. I just think that's a great win for the community. Um, just quickly, what your feelings, your thoughts, how did this come about? Uh, my feelings, I'm really excited about it. Uh, my thoughts, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> um, it's, it's a part-time role, so it's, uh, it's a little bit of a struggle for us because uh, I still have to figure out what I'm going to do for the rest of my income uh, in there. But I'm really excited about the opportunity. You know, Christian Baptist Church has been serving the community uh, of Newmarket since 1822 as a concurrent congregation. Um, I believe there are two services that the church has not had in all of that time, and both of them were during the war. Um, so they met during the ice storm last year that we had. <laughs> um, but it's... Um, there is such an opportunity for ministry in the downtown core of Newmarket. I mean... Most of us don't live in the downtown core, and in fact, most of the members of the church don't live in the downtown core. Uh, they live surrounding that area. But the amount of need uh, that is there um, for loving those who don't feel loved, uh, I think it's amazing. And uh, so I'm excited about it. Um, I'm going to miss this place like crazy. Uh, I'm, I'm going to really miss the worship here at this church. Um, I'm going to miss the teaching uh, that you come to expect, good, solid teaching. Jonathan, we've just loved your ministry here, and I'm hoping I can carry some of that enthusiasm as I go uh, into the ministry. So, though, we really would love your prayers. So, Yeah, yeah. It'd be great to work together, too, and I just love that this is maybe a one-church kind of moment where... Um, 
this is not goodbye. This is like, let's partner up. So um, I'm just wondering if uh, if I could pray with just just raise your hand if anybody else would consider praying as part of this group. Okay, Byron, good. And would you? Join with me just by even just lifting a hand as we're in this together. Father, I am so grateful for these two men that we're going to send. And I'm going to ask right now that you would just refill them with your Holy Spirit. Give them every gift that they need for the mission ahead. I pray that when they walk into that environment, whether it's a church or whether it's the wilderness and uh, and a hard-to-reach community of indigenous people, that there would be something almost tangibly different about them, that people would see such light in them, something so attractive, and it would be Christ in them, the hope of glory. I pray, God, that um, the, the frustration and the trouble that is bound to happen would just be covered by your grace, your patience, make a way when it seems at times there is no way. I pray that you'd meet uh, Andrew's financial needs where it seems like uh, it's going to be hard going. And I pray that you just provide and, and, and prove to him that this is part of your good plan by being a provider and sustainer. I pray that there'd be great fruitfulness in both of these ministries. And so we send them and we, not that, not that they need it, but we just, we just want to bless them. We want them to know how loved they are and how blessed they are. And more importantly than our blessing or my blessing, God, would you bless them? And would they know that there's a Father in heaven who is proud of them and who is blessing them and who is preparing a way for them? Ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, that you open doors. And I thank you for this way that you're making. And I pray there'd be people that would say, come see this one who's told me everything I had ever done. Come see this one who's told me of the love of Jesus. And whether that be at the curbside on Maine or whether that be in this town up north, that, you're, that you would prepare the way, that hearts would be being turned even now, and that your, your life would be so evident in David and in um, Andrew that your uh, peace would just flow out from them, that they would be able to declare your peace to the people that they meet. Jesus name. It's going to seem a little odd for me to introduce this next person, the teacher for this morning, but I want to have Ian Knight come up and... Uh, for those of you who don't know, Ian was the lead elder slash pastor of Newmark Alliance Church for many years. And then Ian and Leslie uh, felt it was time to retire. And you may not know this, but most denominations have this little spoken or unspoken rule that says, well, the exiting pastor needs to get out of Dodge. And it's cruel in many ways, um, but... There's been some horror stories, I'm sure, of, of pastors who didn't know when to say when. And we, after a couple of years in exile, we really advocated that um, 
Ian and Leslie would come back. This is their church. You are their people. And I want to say this publicly. Ian and Leslie have been nothing but incredibly supportive of Victoria and I and have just been a, a cheerleader, a champion of our ministry. And I want to thank you, brother, for that because that just means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So does this, does this feel uh, familiar a little bit? Yeah, a little deja vu. Let me pray for you. God, may the words of Ian's mouth, may the meditations of his heart be from you. May they bless our people. And uh, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would filter his words. Give him, give him Holy Spirit insight. And maybe we be receptive to it. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it, it is good to be here. And I was uh, thinking last night, years ago, meaning like about five years ago, when it became apparent to me uh, that it was time for us to be moving on, and meeting with the elders of the church and, and trying to talk about what kind of a leader would we be looking for. And you know, the profile that we were developing was Jonathan Ganyu. It's just that we didn't know him. So it took time to go through other uh, processes and protocols, but God has blessed this church. God has blessed you with the, the man of my dreams. <laughs> I mean, I got beard envy this morning. This is about all I get, Jonathan, you know. <laughs> Your wife will thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm also really appreciating this series that we're in about Jesus has left the building. And uh, Jonathan called me a while ago, sent me an email or whatever, however he said, would you like to contribute to this series? And uh, right away, I got this picture of Jesus going up the mountain with his followers. And, you know, they had had communion. They'd had the fish fry on the beach. They had had the 40 days of Jesus investing in their life, and now they had got to this day when they're going up the mountain together. And Jesus knew he was soon to leave, but the disciples didn't know, but they're, they're going up there, and it's kind of like when you've had relatives visiting or friends, and, and, you're, and you're at the airport with them or the the train station, or maybe they're in the driveway with their vehicle all packed up with the stuff, and they're heading out, and you you got these few remaining minutes, and you want to make the most of it, and you know that the thing you say right now is going to be the thing of lasting value. It's the thing that's going to inspire and linger and, and maybe be cherished. And here's Jesus you know, his hands lifted up. I'm just imagining the moment, and he's feeling the lift as he's about to go up into heaven. And he's got something to say. I want to read the text today from Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. And it, it's a familiar text, but um, is it, we're up on the screen here. Boy, that's kind of small. It was big on my computer screen. Uh, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. 
Then Jesus came up and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, as you are going, you will be discipling all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always till the end of the age. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that you have given us these words and they linger in our hearts and they stir up our soul and they inspire us to what you have called us to be and to do. And so would you just teach us today, Holy Spirit, teach us. Open our hearts and open our minds and break down the walls of resistance that are in front of us so that we would be willing to go and be your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I have had the privilege of going to various churches, speaking on this theme and other themes over the last few years, and I want to tell you that what I have experienced happens somewhere about halfway through the teaching, and, and you feel like you're really getting into it, and you feel like God is saying something, and suddenly... As a preacher, you feel the walls going up. And you may sit there in row four and think that uh, the preacher doesn't know that you're resisting. But Holy Spirit kind of communicates to the preacher that you're working harder today than you should have to be working. And, and, and you're transmitting, but it's not being received. And usually, as I've done my analysis of how this happens, usually it happens right around the time that we move from preaching to meddling. When we move from theory to practice. When we start talk, when we move from talking about what I need to do to what you need to do. And as soon as we cross that line, walls start going up. I want to encourage you today, let the walls come down. Let the walls come down in Jesus' name. Let us hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. This is not a, a command, a demand. This is an opportunity that is open to us to be world changers. It's an opportunity that you and I get to live our normal, regular lives and make a difference for Jesus' sake. And if we can hear this as an opportunity, maybe we'd be a little less resistant. So I want to get back to our text. Right in the middle of the text, there's this word, therefore. And I was taught long ago that when you see the word, therefore, you ask, what's it there for? And it's in the middle of something that, that divides what follows from what happens in front of it. And so I want to just go back to this, this text and look at the first half of it. Then if I don't get kicked off the stage, we're going to get to the second half of it. But, but in the first half of it, we read about these people that went up the mountain. And it says that when they went up the mountain, they were worshiping and some doubted. I'm thinking, wow, you know, there's doubters in every crowd, but, you know, these were not like a, a group of hundreds of people 
come to see Jesus on the great liftoff. This was his 11 closest friends. Just the 11. And up the mountain they went, and they were worshiping it, but some doubted. And I'm going, well, if your 11 closest friends have doubts, it's got... Uh, it's going to be tough for the mission to move forward. And I thought I would just analyze for a little bit, what are some of those doubts? And I sat there and I thought, well, some of these people are doubting because what's happening and what Jesus is happening and what he's calling them to is just outside the paradigm. Because back in another place, Jesus said, when you go preach the gospel, signs and wonders are going to happen. People are going to get healed. Demons are going to get evicted. You're going to speak in languages you didn't know you had. Some of you are going to get poisoned and it won't happen. You won't die. Crazy stuff. And outside our paradigm, and we hear it, and we go, okay, Jesus, but actually resistance has started to emerge. Doubts have started to emerge because we somehow live in this world of cause and effect and, and we, we, we tend to discount miracles and second guess them. And even though we have come to worship, there's a little bit of doubt still in our soul. And other people are doubting because life hasn't been all that they expected it to be. And, and so... So it's okay for you, Jesus, and it's okay for these other 10 people, but, but in my case, I don't know how many times in ministry I've heard people say, in my case, as if they're the only people in the whole of creation that the grace of God cannot reach. But the truth is we do come with our doubts. We come with our doubts because of what we've done. We come with our doubts of what was done to us. We come with our doubts because of our paradigm. We come with our doubts because we think that we're not worthy of the grace of God. We come and we worship, but there's, it's like we worship with a 75% heart. And Jesus wants to take that 75%. He wants to cure the 25%. And he wants to release 100% fully devoted people to change the world. And so the next thing that I observed in Jesus' teaching, or in, in the teaching of Matthew, they came and they worshiped, and, and Jesus said, like he didn't say, okay, the doubters over here and the other remaining nine or three or whatever. You know, he didn't shortlist the whole thing. He just, it's almost as if he didn't regard their doubts as being showstoppers. So if you came today as one of those people I just said 25% doubting, 75% work. If you're that person, what Jesus has to say is for you. And, and it's for me, and it's for every one of us. And what he said was, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So I'm sitting here thinking, how much authority is all authority? Yeah, it's all. It's a, it's a trick question, but I'm trying to be a, do a Jonathan here, you know. And <laughs> all authority. There is nothing in heaven or earth 
that can disqualify you and me from being the agents of God's grace. So what can disqualify us? Nothing. It's the opposite of all, right? All authority means that nothing can stand in the way of God using you and me. All authority. This is Jesus. This is Jesus whose authority speaks to the 25% of doubt. It speaks truth. It speaks comfort. It speaks presence. It speaks release. It speaks... I've lost the word. What is speaking? Oh, it speaks transformation into our souls. It speaks joy into our souls. Presence of the Holy Spirit. Touching us in that place of our doubt changes everything. And we get surprised if we actually would, would, would stop and, and let the Spirit of God speak to us. We would be surprised by the joy that fills us and the doubts start to diminish. And if we would let go of those doubts and not hang on to them like a precious, we would, we would discover that Jesus has all the grace needed to resolve those doubts. And he takes our brokenness, and he takes our emptiness, and he takes our despair, and he takes our weakness, and, and he, by a miracle of his grace, uses those very experiences to open doors. I was listening to Dave Clout talking about his opportunity to go up north, and he talked about how God was using the different things in his life and the, and the things that give him joy, like outdoor living and all that kind of stuff. And, and those very, th I'm not talking about that like it was brokenness, by the way, but, but God takes our experiences and, and he uses them as building blocks for how we impact the world. And who would have thought in the moment of our despair, in the moment of our bitterness, that there is actually a building block that God is going to use for kingdom growth. And we can't see it in that moment, but the moment's coming. And oh, by the way, we may be longer than we thought. Uh, but Jesus said, Jesus, okay, all that authority stuff, and then we get to the therefore. Therefore, since Jesus has all authority, an authority that's more than our doubts, and we get to the punchline, and now everything that flows out of that is flowing out of this, this one major condition that Jesus has all authority. By the way, it doesn't matter whether you believe this. I can say that. You can't say it, but I can say it. doesn't matter if you believe. Jesus has all authority. He actually has all authority. And I know that the politicians think that they're going to lobby and one of them is going to have more authority than the other. I want to tell you that Jesus has authority over Canada. Jesus has authority over this election. Jesus has authority over your business. Uh-oh, went to meddling now. Jesus has authority over your schooling. Jesus has authority over your health. Jesus has authority over your doubts. 
And he says, on the basis of that authority, I want to tell you what's happening next. As you are going, you will be making disciples. I know we interpret it, we've heard it taught to us, go, make disciples. But that's not the way it translates. The original language was Jesus was making a general, this is the way life is going to be, folks. As you're going, you're going to be making disciples. It's just going to happen that way. And so I've lived long enough to watch my kids grow up, grandchildren growing up. I've seen you guys and some of your grandchildren growing up. And I've begun to realize that whether we thought we were disciple-making or not, we're making disciples. Our kids are following us. Every study that I see about the sociology of the church is that father is a spiritual leader in the house. I'm sorry, ladies. I mean, love you all, and I know that you, you, you impact your kids in a way that dads can't, but the reality is that after the age of 12, kids are following their dads. And if dad is leading them away from church, it's a struggle for kids not to follow that. So if we are going to be making disciples, let's make good ones. I mean, you could make them bad or make them good. They're going to be following you. What we condone in moderation, our children tend to practice in excess. And, and I have not been a perfect father. So I got kids that aren't perfect. Sometimes they drive me nuts. Sometimes they're just the most wonderful people in the world. And that's what, that's what I know they took after their mother. You are making disciples. As we go, we are making disciples. Disciples are people who live next door to me. Filipino family who moved in about six months ago on one side of us. The Jamaican family that lives just over the back fence. And we got to know them because our pear tree was leaking pears into their yard and they were taking them. That's a joke. It's okay. <laughs> but we got to know them about pears. Who knew? And the lady across the street. And, you know, we're making disciples and, and we have no idea except that God has given us the opportunity to make disciples of all nations and we don't even have to buy a plane ticket. Fastest growing language other than English in this area of York region is Cantonese. Not French. As I've been doing some studies around the area here, in some parts of the fastest growing language is Persian. And in other places, it's Russian. The nations are coming to us. People say we have more nations in the greater Toronto area than, than literally anywhere else in the world. We are United Nations here in the greater Toronto area. And of these 10 million people who live around us, the nations of the world have come, and we get to be disciplers. We get to show the grace of God. And God has given us this opportunity to cross 
the ethnic divides and to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to be grace and to be encouragers. And, 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 and then as I thought about how God has called us to the nations, I thought he's called us not only to the nations, but he's cost us, he's, he has called us to cross the generational divides. He's caused us to cross the gender divides. He's caused us to cross the emotional divides. These divides that, that pit people one against the other. I, I was even going to say, he, but I knew it would be maybe too soon. He's, cost, he's calling us across the climate change divide. So that we can, instead of being us and them, we can be we. Embarked on a journey of discovery together of the grace of God. We actually can be inclusive as we share the grace of God together. Because I'm going to tell you, no matter how educated you may feel you are, you haven't yet experienced 100% of the grace of God. Because he brings us into community so that we can fill up each other's empty places as we share and communicate and, and, we, and we walk this journey together showing the grace of God. And then my children, who tend to want to follow their father, may learn that they can be people who can share the grace of God with others. What a, what a great thing that would be. It'd be great if I could remember where I am now. So we're making disciples of all the nations. How are we doing up there? Yeah, we're doing fine. Okay, we're making disciples of all the nations. And he said, so here's what you do. Baptize them. You know, I'm so excited we're having a baptism next week. But I, in case you're sitting here thinking baptism is great for them, Jesus did not say some guys are going to get baptized and some aren't. He said, as you're going, you will be making disciples and you will be baptizing them. This is just part of how we do it. This is part of how we receive the grace of God. This is part of how we demonstrate our commitment to the fact that we, we finally saw Jesus as the answer for my need and we finally embraced the grace that he was calling us to. And I need to tell someone about it. And the way we tell is we get into a tank here and we demonstrate death and resurrection and the community of faith as people gather around and pray and bless. It's a great experience. And, and, and if that hasn't been your experience, it's time to get on with it. I can say that too. And then, and then he said, and you're going to be teaching them. We're going to be teaching them. And I had like two pages of notes of things we're going to be teaching, except I got carried away on something else. So we're going to be teaching them. We're going to be teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded. And what did he command? Well, how did Jesus teach? We're going to teach you how to do what Jesus taught. And what was one of the first things he taught? He taught us how to pray. And so a few weeks ago, I was sitting here, and Jonathan was saying uh, bells, this bells thing over here. And what does what the B, B, B says begin with? And Jesus teaches us to, and if we would wait on Jesus, he will, he will give us names of people to pray for. 
he will remind me to pray for my Jamaican neighbor and my Filipino neighbor and the neighbor on the other side that's moving out this week when someone else is moving in. And he, and he, he, call, he, call, he puts in our, on our hearts the names of our children and grandchildren that particularly need prayer today. He puts in our hearts the names of that, that obnoxious person at the desk next to me in the office. Oh, wait a second. Leslie and I weren't together. <laughs> So she's, she's praying for the obnoxious person, okay? We, we, we learn to pray for the person who took our parking spot. We learn to pray for others as God raises names. I'm going to give you some homework, homework before we're done, but what I've discovered about God is if I would shut up, having first asked him, Lord... Who should I pray for today? Within about five seconds, there will be a name in my mind. So I'm saying to you, 150 people here today prayed and God gave them a name. That's 150 people who are getting prayed for just like that. More than that, The name he gives you is probably the name of the person you don't want to pray for. Pray for him. Just pray for him. We just bless him. We bless them in Jesus' name. We bless them with the hunger to get to know Jesus more. We, we bless them to become the person that they were created and meant to be. As we bless people, as God gives us the names, he is already doing a work in their heart, and you and I don't have to go and tell and proclaim anything because God's already stirred up the hunger. And more often than not, as we pray and as we bless, somebody starts to ask a question, a reason for the hope that's within you. Because these guys that live around me in my neighborhood, your neighborhood, most of them are living lives of quiet despair. They just don't know what's next. They don't know how they're going to make it through the next week. They don't know whether their marriage will last. They don't know if their kids are going to turn out okay. They don't know if the finances are right. They don't know if their health is any good. They, they just don't know, and there's despair going on all around us. And, and, and then there are people like you and me, if we speak to comfort and strengthen and encourage them, they will wonder how come we're people of hope? How come we're the only people in our, on our street who, are, who have hope? How come we're the only parents on the hockey team who have hope? How come, well, you know, this, you know how that goes. And they start to ask a reason for the hope within us. And we were promised that's exactly what's going to happen. So I'm, so I'm running real, real fast here to get to the end. Let's just dash to that last slide, if you will, because this is what Jesus was saying at the end after we've taught them. Then he says, and I will be with you even to the end of the age. So is the world over yet? Jesus is with you. Still with you. 2019, still with us. 2024, world's not over. He's still with us. He's still accomplishing his purpose through people like you and me. 75% worshipers, 25% doubters, but he's changing us. And he's changing 
the atmosphere around us, and he's changing the people we're in touch with, and his presence continues to go with us. And so I have two things I'm going to ask you to do this week. And if you took note of nothing else I say, these are the two things. The worship team's going to come up, and they're going to lead us in a closing song. Here's our homework. Number one, pray. I'm going to ask you to ask God for at least one name, but maybe more, of the people you're going to pray for. So you write that name down when he gives it to you, and you just pray for that person or those people. The second thing, see, that was fast. The second thing is pursuit. After we've prayed, we pursue relationship. Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? What more may come out of the hi, how are you? Because God is preparing hearts. And so I want to encourage you. The Great Commission is really just normal people like you and me living normal lives like we do with the hope that God stirs up inside us. And the South Lake region will get transformed for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father God, would you give us ears to hear what you're saying to the church today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, as he was talking, I was thinking about it takes courage to do, to go out and be his people and be his disciples. And sometimes we feel like we can't do it or Sometimes we feel like we can't even pray for those people. But we have to continue to rely and bring our focus back to Jesus. And you feel like you can't do it. He's there. He's willing to step in and pray for you. And pray. he's praying for everybody. Um, and so I picked this next song. Um, it's called You Make Me Brave. And um, Because I feel like days when you feel like you can't, um, love well or, or make disciples. He's the one that you can rely on. He can be your strength. So if you can stand with us, we're just going to close off.